Welcome to Oral Histories, 100 Years of Michigan Social Work. In celebration of the school's centennial this year, we have been collecting oral histories, stories, anecdotes, and memories from our community of alumni, scholars, and students. Our stories encompass lessons and laughter, love and loss. They describe both historical events and the little moments that made a difference. Stories have the ability to build community as they transport us. So we invite you to make yourself comfortable and listen in on a story from our past. My name is John Troutman. Uh, I came to the school in um, 1963 and for the fall doctoral class. I graduated uh, in 1967 and spent a year on the um, faculty sort of by accident. I had accepted a job at George Warren Brown School of Social Work and uh, the dean at the time, Fidel Flory, invited the dean from George Warren Brown, now called the Brown School, to come up and perhaps look at another student or two from the joint doctoral program, because at that time, social work and social science was, was very new and not actually that well accepted. While uh, Wayne Basie, the dean who came up, was here, our dean, Fidel, hired him. So then I was sort of left adrift, and Fidel very generously said, well, why don't you stay an extra year here? I had already begun teaching at that point, and you can take a look and see what's available and go the next year. The next year, I was offered a position, and I have been here ever since. How I got here is a sort of interesting story. Mm -hmm. I was at the University of Chicago School of Social Service Administration, and I was I have always been interested in sociology, despite the fact that when I was at Oberlin College, famous sociologist Milton Yinger said, I would never make a sociologist, I should go into the line of selling insurance. He felt that would be a good line of work for me. And it was a great pleasure for me to speak at his retirement as a sociologist when, when that came. came. I was particularly interested in the new Michigan program, partly because one of the professors, the associate dean, actually, Rachel Marks in Chicago, had written a very negative piece about it in the Social Service Review, and that sort of piqued my interest. And secondly, it was a chance to combine social work and sociology, which I always felt were sort of close. I had sort of the more practical interests in social work and some of the more theoretical interests in sociology. So this was a good fit for me. So I applied to the program and got a, a note back from the then associate director of the program, Mary Burns, that essentially said, many are called and few are chosen, and you're not among them. So that was a little discouraging for me. But meanwhile, something else was going on. The, doc, the head of the doctoral program, Henry Meyer, lived next door to a family named Jones. And they had a daughter, Linda Jones. And Linda was a good friend of mine at Oberlin. And so Henry knew her as a little kid. And so he went over to Linda and said, well, this John Trotman is applied. Do you think that he would be a good student in this program? And she gave me an enthusiastic recommendation. And so Henry wrote a second letter to me asking me if I would mind coming over to Ann Arbor and going through an interview with him to explain my interests and uh, what I already saw myself going forward. And I did that. It was very successful. I got admitted and here I am today.
And when the program started, it, it wasn't really completely accepted by the social work faculty because social work has always been a little nervous that sociology or other disciplines might take over. And at the University of Chicago, which I attended partly because of the School of Social Service Administration and partly because of the great sociologists who were there, but we weren't permitted to in any way take courses in those places. So, so a few of us who were interested simply went and sat in on them. And that enabled me to sort of keep my sociological flame alive. I was able to proceed having the MSW meant I could focus directly on the social science part of it. And I got through reasonably quickly. And in the process discovered that in addition to having some practical interest in community organization and particularly in, uh, in race relations, because the University of Chicago was located in an area just near a very large African-American population, which was not as well off in age. So there were also sort of those tensions between the more well-off Chicagoites and the less well-off. And I, as a student in Chicago, organized one of the first programs in sort of the sociology and social work of organs, the African-American and white American community and the tensions that had been at the School of Social Service Administration. Mm -hmm. And I thought there would be opportunities being near Detroit to, to do some, some of the same thing. So there were a lot of factors that made it a really great choice for, for me. And I had the sociology, I had the social work, and then I had one other thing that I didn't know that I had, but I guess I did have, is really a great love of teaching. Mm. I'm forever telling people what to do, so I guess that's just perfect as a, uh, a professor, but I didn't have any problems speaking in front of students. I was able to organize thoughts and present them in this sort of condensed way. And I was always amused by the fact that I would go into the faculty lounge and I would see some of our colleagues just exhausted. And I think, what's going on? And said, I just finished class. And I'm just drained and there's nothing left of me. <laughs> and I discovered that one of my attributes is I'm sort of an energy vampire. So when people finish with me, I'm feeling good and they're feeling exhausted. And that continues to this day. I've taught, Michigan had an extension program at that time. So I taught in Flint. I taught in the Detroit area and I taught in Grand Rapids. So I, I had a chance to get around the state. And so I learned a lot about, about Michigan. A little bit later, I got the opportunity to uh, teach also at the Ross Business School, mm. both in the MBA program and in the master's program. And I'd always been uh, sort of on the, on the wholesale side of social work, that is community organization, management, policy, evaluation. Uh, my wife is uh, a, a clinical social worker, so I had that sort of in-house experience. My dad was a social worker. He was a United Way executive. My brother, who was a state representative in Wisconsin and later formed his own long-term care company, was is a social worker. And his uh, first wife was a social worker. So I got a lot of social work in, in the family, but I, I always liked sort of the larger picture 
And I, I discovered, I at first thought I wanted to be a, cl a clinician or a therapist. And I, I discovered that that was really too narrow a focus for me. And people move too slow. They tell me what their issue was. And I say, well, why don't you just do this, that, and the other thing? And in social work, you're supposed to let the client figure it out for themselves. But I figured, why go through that process when they just tell you? And they kicked me out of the clinical track and put me in the administrative track, which was a good, a good fit for me. And I've had the opportunity to have a lot of jobs in the School of Social Work, head of what we call the CAP program, that's community organization, administration, and policy, and then mm -hmm. I became head of the doctoral program. I had a chance to be interim head of the Institute of Gerontology. I had a chance to be interim dean. And I, I enjoyed all of those jobs. I didn't feel I had to keep them. You know, people said when I was finished being interim dean, I bet you're really glad to be out of that. I said, well, no, not really. I, I enjoyed it. And I could do it, but I don't feel driven to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it was it was nice for me because I, I wasn't trapped by uh, the need that some people seem to have to get this office or that office. I mean, a, a physical, not a physical office, but a position. I was able to be very productive. The school was a very supportive place. And I was sort of a good fit. The University of Michigan, as I describe it to students, is the New York City of universities. It's good and it's big. And the same people who succeed here, students and faculty, are the same kinds of people that would succeed in New York City. We're all a little bit pushy. It's a sort of champion-driven system. So if you want to get something done, it's sort of up to you. Mm -hmm. And you got to build the coalitions. you got to, you know, buttonhole the people. you got to put a team together that will do it. And I, I can do that uh, and have, have done that. I was able to uh, be instrumental in some, some of the imaginative things that the school did. For example, our 16-month program was one of the first schools. And I think maybe we're still the only school. I'm not quite sure about that. I mean, people can get through in, in 16 months. And that was motivated by the fact that in the standard two-term, summer-off, two-term program, students had to pay rent for the summer. They had to sublet and lose money. And so I was able to argue that if we let them go right through and had block placements in the summer, they wouldn't have to do that. And, and we'd be four months ahead of everybody else on the job market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that to me was... Uh, a, a very important kind of thing. My, well, I started teaching in 1965, and I retired in uh, 2016, and now I've continued to work as uh, in various administrative jobs, co-chair of the Centennial Committee, being advisor to the dean, and I have some doctoral students still that I'm wrapping up with, uh, teach many courses and some CE courses. So I, I guess I would describe myself as semi-retired. Yep. I'm not doing as much as I did before, but I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Are you still active? That's great. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Are you still active? That's great. So so I think I think you did a you did a great job talking about kind of your your trajectory of, of work post graduation. You talked a little bit about how you got to the University of Michigan. I want to go back to the early 60s. What was the climate of the school like? I mean, what was it like to be at the University of Michigan School of Social Works in 1963? Well, the climate of the school, of course, the Vietnam War was going on at that time. Yeah, talk to me. Yeah. And we had 
I think a greater percentage of males than we ever have before or since. As as um, you talk about in the school of social work. Well, yes, because uh, several of the guys, it wasn't that they were uninterested in social work, but they were doing, uh, they were, oh, I'm trying to trying to think of the word, uh, when you don't want to fight in a war. Oh, they were, they weren't dodging. It they was, were able to, to, uh, to be in school. Instead of? In the army. Instead of getting drafted. <laughs> right. Okay. And, and there was that. There was a tremendous amount of activism among the students. Sit-ins were started at the University of Michigan, or teach-ins, I guess they were called at that point. And then the African-American students developed the Black Action Movement, BAM. And there was a great pressure, which I think did have a good bit of impact, but I think some of that energy drained off a little bit over time. And then it has come back recently mm-hmm. with some, stimulated by some national events. And there was a, a lot of excitement among the students to be on social work committees. And oddly, that issue is just again now surfacing. I mean, that's sort of just drifted apart. And so I was able to, uh, with other colleagues, propose that we reconstitute the committees as half students and half faculty with a faculty chair. And of course, the students felt that great decisions were going to be made in those meetings, whereas for the most part, nothing happened in most of those meetings. So I don't, I shouldn't say it that way, I guess. It was just a very slow, slow process. Organizations move slowly. Sure. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like we were getting together some Friday afternoon and changing the curriculum. I mean, curricular change takes years. And, but the students really did have a point. I mean, we were talking uh, social justice, but we were excluding all the students. And, and so this, I think, set up a history of cooperative relations in which the actual numbers didn't mean as much as the spirit of, of working together. And then various other groups became found a little bit after that. And I'm not sure of the time. Howard Bramson with others founded uh, the uh, uh, a Black Social Workers Gathering. And Michigan, like a lot of schools, isn't the same place all the time like other organizations because mm-hmm. students are flowing in, faculty are flowing in, students are flowing out. So it's not like you're a GM or the same people are there and, and then you know you you advance by you get stimulated by going somewhere else. You can get stimulated here by just being where you're at. Right. When, when I came we were in the freeze building it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. But it did have one thing. Um, we had a library. The old Carnegie Library was also in that building. And the facade has just left its on Huron Street there. You can, you can see it, the old stone facade. So uh, students from other places came to work there because it was a convenient place and they, you could sit down. But it was, it, was sent, it was still on central campus. And... Many schools of social work, in fact, the largest number of schools of social work, are in the worst place on campus. Up until recently, the school of social work at the University of Connecticut was at the end of Asylum Avenue. (laughs) Well, it was the old road out to the asylum, you know, and uh, 
the School of Social Work at the University of Wisconsin was, and I think may still be located inside another building, so you can't actually find it. The sign is out there, but it's really hard to find. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the School of Social Work at the University of Chicago is located on the far side of the midway. Mm. And so it serves as part of the sort of Chinese wall of buildings mm. that separates it from the uh, African-American community beyond. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not the best location for a school, maybe not for any building at the university, but certainly not for a school of social work. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we are located plump in the center of campus. Mm -hmm. And we've got probably one of the best looking buildings. So we're sort of trying to make an architectural statement as well as a pedagogical statement. Here we are, right in the middle of things. And we're not stuck out on the edge, sort of pressing our nose against the glass wall of exclusion. So, so there was a lot of activity. There was student activism. There was anti-war activism. There was racially based activism. And all those things were sort of mutually supporting each other. And yet each had their own interests and goals that they were pursuing. And so it was a, it was a, a heady place to be. The last thing I would say about the University of Michigan is that maybe not as much now as in the 60s and 70s, we were, I would say, a progressive school of social work. And by that, I mean, we had programs that you couldn't get anyplace else. Therapeutic group work, behavior mod. We had a sneak behavior modification in as a research course first, because even all of our own faculty were, I mean, we were taught, we were the talking therapy group, you know, we weren't mm -hmm. Skinnerians, but anyway, and now we have sort of cognitive behavioral, so there's a sort of blend of those uh, those things. And then after that, another big innovation came with the psychotropic drugs. And, and so we had to have courses on uh, uh, what they were and so on, particularly for the clinical uh, students. If you wanted to get edgy social work education, this was one of the places that you would come and you'd always find something new. And of course, that meant that you learn as much from the students as I learned from the books. I mean, because I, I would, the students who came were always curious and interested. And, and then the university as a whole, it's just a banquet of opportunities. I mean, you couldn't do the kinds of things that happen here without the resources that it has. So that gives you a little picture of the 60s and 70s. And a lot of those things, particularly the activism, student activism, is returning now. Mm -hmm. right. We had a period where that wasn't as much of a feature of the school, and now it seems to be, or the university as a whole for that, for that matter, now it seems to be uh, coming up again. So I guess it's true there's nothing new under the sun. You just yeah. have to wait a minute. Yeah. Comes around. Thanks for listening to this story from Oral History's 100 Years of Michigan Social Work. You can listen to more stories at the Social Work website and find the link in the episode notes.